You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Belly up to the nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. Remember, this is all brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions. You heard the ad at the beginning of the show. Check out all that they can offer at FamilyDry.com or give them a call, 708-330-4466. Tell them we sent you. You will get a big discount. I don't know exactly what a big discount is, but I mean, from what I hear, it's a, it's a good-sized one, Ed. Uh, every time I talk to somebody who works with them, they're like, hey, that was a that was a nice socks in the basement discount. How are you, my friend? I'm doing good. Well, I'm doing better than Yasmani Grandal. He's out, and he's out for an extended period of time, which begs the question: What the hell is the training staff of the White Sox doing, and how underqualified are they really to do the job? The amount of leg injuries—it's absolutely incredible. And yeah, I know injuries are up league wide, but do you think this will be happening to a Herm Schneider trained team? Not on your life. Maybe there's a possibility, maybe I'm crazy, that just things are being done a little differently. Where are all these injuries coming from? I mean, how does anybody from the White Sox training staff remain on this team in 2022 after all of these injuries? Well, you know, I I don't know that they'll make a huge drastic change. I'm kind of curious myself because it is, you know, you have had a lot of not just small injuries, though they're big injuries and then you've got a few that have been nagging here and there but the nagging ones you kind of expect right you, you sort of expect a guy like Adam Eaton to get a nagging injury or, or even a Jake Lamb you know veterans whatever but it's it's the it's how does Nick Madrigal who is young and you know in, in presumably the shape of his life end up with that bad of a tear or how do how do you have uh, you know, Adam Engel cannot get off the schneid with this with this injury that happened in spring training, and here we are, we're at the All-Star break practically, and, you know, he's still not over it. Or what about Luis Robert? Luis Robert was a running injury as well. Yeah, and and that, you know, I, that, I now honestly, I, I don't know enough about hip injuries to know if that's a, if that's a conditioning issue or if that was just a freak thing, you know, where, where you know, like Jake Berger continually ripping his Achilles was kind of a freak thing, but... But yeah, you know, it's another running injury. It's another leg injury that happens. Really, the only injury that I cannot pin on the staff is Aloy Jimenez. No, that's a stupid injury. That was just injury <laughs> by by stupidity, and that's where they need to maybe hire a mental skills coach. I believe uh, I believe the Blackhawks had one for years. Maybe maybe the Sox need to look into that. I want to play a game today uh, before we get to James Fox, and we're going to cover what the White Sox will likely do, could do, what could happen here in the MLB draft, which is right here around the corner. It's it's coming up. It's just a few days away. We're going to get some predictions. We're going to get a picture of it. It's something to talk about. So James Fox from Future Sox on the show here in just a little bit. But before we do that, I kind of I kind of want to play a little bit of a game. We're recording the show, and this happens sometimes. We get a chance to sit down and talk together, and it happens to be before a bunch of expected stuff is going to happen. We know that uh, Adam Engel is likely being activated off the IL today, but we don't know who's getting sent down DFA'd, what the moves are going to be. So what we have to do is we have to 
We have to guess. Okay, so we'll, we'll just make sure we try and get every possible transaction combination that we think is realistic, and then we'll react to it as though that's the news that actually happened. Even the unrealistic ones, but these are all possibilities. You know, I can't believe that in response to the Grandal thing, that, that just because of the calf injury, that they went to the Pirates and they traded for Reynolds, Frazier, and Jacob Stallings to cover all of their holes, <laughs> and all it cost them... I can't believe all it cost them was your mean Mercedes and Jace Fry. I yeah. mean, that was really, that was fantastic. Great trade by, by Rick Hahn. But, but that's not going to happen, Ed. That, 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 that will right. never happen. That's not going to happen. The Pirates are asking way too much. That's not going to happen. I mean, I can't believe that it cost them Michael Kopech and Rick Hahn's grandchildren's firstborn. <laughs> that's more likely. That's more likely what yes. the Pirates would ask for, for that package. I mean, you pretty much took all of their team. Right there. They, they, they want to keep some right. of them. Yeah, that's so let's, let's keep it slightly realistic. But here we go. Adam Engel off the IL, and the White Sox have DFA'd and released Adam Eaton. How would you react to that news? I would be fine with that, just fine. I, I, you know, I know Eaton had that uh, double play over the weekend. He's not been what, what they thought they were getting when they signed him. And frankly, the guy that has been is Brian Goodwin. I think is is has been what they thought they were going to get from Adam Eaton. So if that's the head that rolls, I'm good with it because I just don't know what his I don't know what his future is here even for the rest of the season. I, he doesn't strike me as a guy you could use off the bench. And if you're not going to play him every day and you can't because of the way he's been hitting, I I'm good with it. Cut bait and try and win. That's that's really you know that's really the best move and forget about the cash. See, I don't think it's going to happen. I think the more likely headline with the angle coming off the IL is that Danny Mendick has been optioned the AAA. Oh, that that's 100% more likely. Yeah, I, I don't think you're going to DFA anybody at this point with so many injuries. I think you're going to sit there and hope that Adam Eaton still has something left before you cut bait and he ends up on another team and turns it around. If he truly was injured, and look, I've been the first one. We, I was yelling about it a month ago, get rid of him, he sucks. All right? I'm purely fine with if you move on from him, but I don't think they're going to move on from him. I mean, look, his first three games back, he's hitting 272 with a walk. You know, that's yeah. the that's the best three-game stretch he's had in two months. Yeah, and when he started the season, he saved their bacon a lot, too, which, you know, we probably shouldn't forget about that, given how dismal his season has been. Um, but, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think, I don't think they're going to let him go at this point. Because I also don't think that they think he's a guy that will slide through waivers. I mean, I think he'll slide through the waiver process, but I don't think he's going to take the assignment to Charlotte. I think he would just go out and become a free agent and try and strike up a deal with any other team that needs him. I think he would too. And you know what? Look, he may not be any big loss, but the Sox are looking at the fact that, yeah, he came back and he's put his bat on the ball a few times. He made a really nice play on the run up against the wall the other night. That showed a lot oh, yeah. more, a lot more defensively from him than I've seen all year long. He he knows, he knows you hate him. He knows White Sox Twitter hates him. He knows that Sox in the basement has been talking about how he's terrible for the last month or so. Well, and he knows, he knows he's terrible this year. He knows he's been bad. I mean, I don't think ball players walk around, you know, having just a, a bad year and sitting there going, you know what though, I'm really great. I know I'm only hitting 210, but I'm fantastic. I, that's not, 
he's he's probably sitting there going, Jesus, this is terrible. I, you know, this is supposed to be the year I prove that I'm still a viable starting outfielder in the major leagues, and I'm not. I'm really, really, you know, crap in the bed here a little bit. Remember what Scott Merkin said when he was on this show after Eaton was signed. You can go back and find it on demand anywhere podcasts can be found. You could search it very easily with the search engine at SocksInTheBasement.com and find that episode. Uh, Scott Merkin pointing out that Adam Eaton pays attention to things like his image, that it, it got to him a little bit. The first go around with the White Sox, when he started to understand that people were no longer a fan of his personality, that he likes to portray himself as like a hero to children. And when he gets booed by people and when people are saying bad things about him, it got to him the first time around. Don't think it isn't getting to him now. I see a little bit more effort. He's put his bat on the ball. I don't think the White Sox move on from him. Now, we could be totally wrong because, as I said, we're sitting here before the moves are made. But I really believe it's a Mendic option or something along those lines. Sox in the basement listeners do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the south side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boots specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota. And one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. Join us on the phone line right now. Good friend of the show from Future Socks. It's the perfect time to bring in James Fox to talk about the upcoming MLB draft. But James, before I ask you about that, I have to ask you about the weird rumor that has come out now, another Bob Nightingale special, that the White Sox may be interested in acquiring Trevor Story, which I would imagine would cost a lot. It's a rental. Is there a good reason for the Rockies to make that move, or is there a better reason for the Rockies to actually hold on to Story? So what I've been saying about the whole thing is it it kind of depends on like who's running the Rockies and you know like who who is making the decision. Like the Rockies fired their general manager. I think one of their longtime executives is like running the draft and doing some other stuff. You know, Bud Black's the manager, and that owner Dick Monfort, I think his name is, is you know he's you know he's done some questionable stuff. I mean he's he's been cheap in the past. Um, some Reinsdorfian tendencies, I guess I would like to say. I feel like every time I come on this pod, every time I come on this podcast, I take a shot at Jerry. I'm sorry. Um, so he might want to save whatever's left on Trevor Story's deal, which is quite a bit, I think, for the rest of this year, and get like two or three prospects for him. You know, but he has to hire a new GM, and I would think that the new GM, whoever that person is, honestly would rather have the compensatory pick that they'll get when Trevor story leaves as a free agent, because the Rockies are going to pick in the top 10 next year. And as a revenue sharing team or as a team that gets revenue sharing, they get another compensation pick for that. Then they would get like probably the 31st or 32nd pick in the draft for losing story. 
which comes with a bonus pool of $2 million, which, you know, they would have four picks like in the top 50 or so, you know, with a bonus pool of like 16, 17 million. I mean that you could really like rebuild a team like through the draft doing that. So I would think if somebody took over that club, that's what they would rather have, but they don't have a GM right now. So I guess all bets are off. And if Trevor story gets traded, um, I wouldn't be surprised, but I, I can't see it being for anything like not significant. Like I think people see that he's a rental and they're like, Oh, it won't cost that much. Like, I think it's the opposite. Like you're going to have to, you're going to have to top whatever they would get like the value of that 31st overall pick. Um, and I think that value is pretty high. So I, I doubt he moves, but if that info is out there and it's out there from Bob Nightingale, like there's a reason why the White Sox want it out there. Well, a follow-up question just before we get to the draft stuff. Is there anybody right now uh, in the uh, White Sox system that you would not deal? I'm not talking about guys up in the majors, but if the White Sox make a trade, is there somebody that you would just wince if you saw them trade them away? So I don't think there are any untouchables, but there are definitely guys that I wouldn't want to – like it depends, right? Like, you know, like I, I, I wouldn't really want to trade Jared Kelly right now at the lowest point for like Eduardo Escobar. Right. But I mean, look, if it takes Jared Kelly in a package to get Adam Frazier, like I'm good with that. Like everybody should be good with that. Like these high school arms are so far away and, you know, nobody should be prospect hugging to the point where like you, you'd think guys are untouchable, but you don't want to trade all your guys for minimal upgrades. That's where, that's where like they'll run into problems. All right, let's talk draft now. And this is weird for White Sox fans after the last couple of years, because uh, we're drafting towards the back of the first round. I think, what what do we have here, the 22nd overall pick? This is no longer a top 10 draft picks, which is a good thing. It means your team's doing well, but it's got to be harder for you and the guys over at Future Sacks to figure out who they're actually going to end up with when this draft starts this weekend. Yeah, so I already have fears of like, you know, I think we wrote up by, you know, by the time the draft starts Sunday, we'd have written up 25 prospect profiles. So, you know, of all the four major demographics, high school position player, high school pitcher, college pitcher, college position player, we've written up about 25 players are over at the website. You can check those out today or any, you know, any day that you go over there. Max Muncy is, you know, not that Max Muncy from the Dodgers. There's another Max Muncy from Thousand Oaks, California, a uh, high school shortstop. He, he was, his is on the website today. Um, but I just have like these irrational fears that like we wrote up 25 guys and they're going to draft a guy that we didn't write up just because like, you know, that's of, of course. Right. So, and, and look, like as soon as the pick is made, we'll, we'll cover it and we'll have it written up. So it's, it's tougher than it's been. I mean, I think like I came on a couple of years ago to talk about Andrew Vaughn and it's like, yeah, they're probably taking Andrew Vaughn. Like, you know, it's a third pick. You got to have a three player big board and you take whoever falls to you. But at 22, it's not like that. And money comes into play. Like, it's tough to, you know, there's all sorts of rumors that the White Sox are looking at prep infielders, which I think would be a good strategy at 22, you know, and you pick again at 57. So there's a scenario where, you know, they think they're going to get a certain guy at 22, and then they try to float a guy to 57 by offering more money because the draft's weird. You can do stuff like that. But all of a sudden, if some dude that was supposed to go in, like, the top 10 is there at 22, you might have to pivot and take him. So that's where, like, being at 22, it's a little bit different. And it's not football or basketball where you can, like, trade picks. So pretty sure if you pay attention over the next few days like the intel that teams start giving at the top um kind of becomes 
more etched in stone because nobody can trade up in front of you and take your guy. So like, you're, you know, it's not really that big of a deal if you're more honest than maybe they will be in some of the other leagues. Okay. So, so break this down for everybody. Cause I get confused by this. The way that I understand it is uh, guys get drafted, depending on where they're drafted, there's like a slot. There's like a, a position where like, this is what they should make, but teams can go over slot. So when you're talking about, well, yeah, you can't jump anybody, but you could sit there and say, you can call up that agent and, and kind of be like, hey, we can, we can pay you more. How, how does this work? Explain to me how the money thing works, because you almost made it sound like that the Sacks could find a way to get a guy to last longer until them. Is it like a team calls up and they're like, we want to draft your guy? And they're like, no, we're going to go back and play in school if you draft us because we want to get to the White Sox at 57 because they're going to give us more money. Explain this to everybody. Yeah, kind of. And they did. So they actually did it with Jared Kelly last year. I mean, Jared Kelly was looking for $3 million. The White Sox met the price. Now, I'm not sure specifics as far as like if he's turning it down from other people per se, but that's how like there's rumors right now that that uh, Jack Leiter, Al Leiter's son that everybody kind of knows, is going to force his way to Boston. And he can essentially do that by telling the top three teams in the draft that he wants $10 million or he's not signing. Because he, he could go back to Vanderbilt, you know. So then those three teams could be like, okay, well, we're not going to do that. And then all of a sudden he accepts whatever Boston offers him at four because he wants to be in a big market. So, yeah, like the gist of it is, like teams have a bonus pool that they can spend for the first 10 rounds of the draft. The Sox is the lowest it's been in years. It's like, um, right in the, it's like in the $6.6 million range. I think they can go right under 7 million total if they want for their first 10 picks. They could spend 3 million of that on the first pick and 3 million of it on the second pick if they want, you know, and then they'll be spending basically nothing on rounds three through 10. Like they won't do that, but so that's where teams, teams try to collect the most amount of talent. Like they're not always taking the best player on the board because the best player on the board, like probably wants a big bonus number. That's why guys fall all the time. So like, even if you're the Pittsburgh pirates right now, you want a really good player, but you want the player that's going to sign with you at one out of your group of guys that you like for the least amount of money. So then you can use the rest of your money later. So that's where the, that's where the baseball draft is a little bit different. Now the white Sox, their second round pick at 57, I believe is like $1.2 million on the slot. What they've done in previous years is they basically punted rounds like seven through 10. And by punting, you know, I mean, like they take a college senior that they're going to pay like $20,000. It's a guy they still like that could have a big league future. But then they take what was those slot amounts at seven, eight, nine, and 10. They add those to the slot amount that the guy would have gotten in round two. And then you pay a player $2 million in round two when they were supposed to get like 1.3. That's how you can potentially like get a guy to come down to the board for you. So, you know, I don't have specifics, obviously, as to what the White Sox are going to do. I do know some players are interested in if you want to get into that, but I think it's going to be fairly top heavy like they did last year where they come away with three guys you're pretty excited about. And then it's a lot of like filler, like college pitchers to, to fill up your system. And then on day three of the draft in 11 through 20, you can maneuver around a little bit too and spend a little extra on that day. James Fox, I'm going to have you pause for just a few moments here so I can tell everybody about what is going on these days at Cork and Carry at the park. Heck, you should know. It's a good time. 
Perfect spot to pregame, postgame, in-game. What the heck? If they're at home and you're not going into the ballpark, or if they're on the road. They are your home base also for White Sox viewing parties. Imagine having your next gathering in the shadow of the ballpark. And if you're going down there for a game, do not forget the food. The selection, incredible, world-class. Award-winning burgers. They have Chicago favorites as well, like Italian beefs and Rubens. Fish and chips, or just get a couple of Vienna hot dogs. I always try something new there. I got the quesadilla last time. I did not walk away from that disappointed. I walked away from it full, and I also enjoyed all of the great beers on tap, an incredible selection of your old favorites, and some great craft brews. Full bar, indoor and outdoor seating, 33rd and Princeton in the shadow of the ballpark, wherever you park, even if you're parking in a White Sox lot. Take a walk down the block to Cork and Carry at the park. You will not be disappointed. All right, so let's talk about who they'd like to get, especially with that 22nd pick, because if you think about it the way you've described it, the Sox might have a couple of guys that they'd be willing to up the amount of money that that player would get if they thought it could entice that player to wait until 22 so that they could actually sign that player. That's the way I'm understanding this. So what types of players, who's out there that you think the Sox are interested in that they would do a little bit extra to try to get in their draft? So the hot name for the White Sox all spring has been a kid by the name of Colson Montgomery. He's a you know a high school shortstop from Southern Indiana, and Mike Shirley is the scouting director. He loves Indiana players. You know this is a guy who he has a scholarship to play baseball at Indiana. There was some talk that he was going to play basketball at Indiana too. I think that's kind of falling through with the new coaching staff there. But I mean this is you know he's a six foot four um, prep shortstop that kind of looks like Corey Seager. Um, defensively, like, you know, the body looks the same. People think he's got big-time power potential that he might move to third, but I've seen it a lot of places. A lot of places think he can stay at shortstop. The question with Colson Montgomery is, and it's not a big question, he's older than most of these guys. He's, he's like almost 19 and a half years old already, and he's a high schooler. So, like, he'll get – like, a lot of teams will have Colson Montgomery off their board for that reason because they'll consider him old. The flip side of that is if he goes to Indiana and two years from now he's eligible for the draft, he'll be 21 and he'll be young. So, you know, if you like the guy, take him. I I think he's probably the favorite for the Sox pick, but he could get plucked before them. And then if that happens, like all bets are off because they like that Max Muncy I mentioned earlier is a shortstop from Thousand Oaks, California, and high, he's a high schooler. I don't think the Vikings would be willing to pay him full slot, and he's a Boris guy. So, again, like the White Sox bonus amount at 22 is like just over $3 million. I could see the front office at that point like stepping in and just taking a college pitcher because that's what they're used to doing. So, you know, Max Muncy is the name that I mentioned. Wes Kath is a prep infielder out of Arizona. He's a name to keep an eye on. And then, you know, any of the group of college pitchers that could be there, Will Bednar just – won a World College World Series with Mississippi State. He's an option. Michael McGreevy of UC Santa Barbara gets uh, Shane Beaver, Beaver comps because they both went to, you know, they both went to Santa Barbara and they, they, you know, they look similar at the same stage. There's a guy, Gavin Williams, I put in my latest mock draft for Future Sox. He's a big, hard-throwing 6'6 righty from Eastern Carolina. So, you know, those are some of the names. I mean, the, the rumor is that they – are going to go prep finally and they want to go prep and they haven't done it since 2012 with Courtney Hawkins. 
but I don't entirely trust this front office. I mean, they, you know, it's, it's really easy for a scouting director to recommend all these prep players. And then you're Rick Hahn and you have $3 million to spend and there's college pitching, like staring you in the face and you just take it because it's a lot safer. And when you're talking going prep, they went prep with pitching, didn't they? Like just uh, recently when they went and they got like Jared Kelly and stuff like that. But this would be the first time in a while they've gone like prep hitting, like position players, right? Yeah, they've gone prep heavy in rounds two, three, four of late. They haven't taken a prep player in the first round since Courtney Hawkins in 2012. High school outfielder. They haven't taken a prep pitcher in the first round since Chris Honnell. Like, all the way back all those days out of Providence Catholic, like in the early 2000s. So, they, they will not be taking a prep pitcher in the first round. Um, I would be pretty surprised if they took a college position player. And that's, look, that's where they've leaned heavily. Um, but it's really, it's not a good college crop of hitters. There's a guy, Judd Fabian out of Florida, who's been like mentioned with them kind of, but he's got like, he's one of these, he's a toolsy outfielder from Florida who is young for the class. Cause he's a sophomore. He gets George Springer comps. He's got big power. Um, he's a weird, like he, throws lefty hits righty kind of strange, but he struck out like at almost a 40% clip at Florida. And that Ugh. generally doesn't get better in the pro. Yeah. I don't, I don't want that. They will, they will stand the death of former Vandy outfielder, Jaron Kendall. Um, and he's very similar and he's floundered in the Dodgers system. So I, I don't think, I don't think they would take Fabian and honestly like college, college position player at this stage doesn't, doesn't really make any sense. So if it's not them breaking the mold and going with a prep infielder, it's probably college pitch. So now let's say they get one of the guys that you have up at your top, those first few guys that you mentioned. Where does that guy, just so Sox fans have an idea, where does that guy immediately slot in your mind like in their top 10 prospects? Are we talking that their first round pick should and most likely will be one of their top prospects almost right away? Or because it's later on in the first round, uh, he, he, it's not an impact guy until they go and prove themselves in the minor leagues for a while. No, they'll be top five immediately. And depending on who it is, it could be, I mean, the guy could be one depending on who it is, which isn't great, but like their system's in a weird spot right now. Like if you made me pick their top prospect right now, I'd probably say that it's Yoelke Cespedes because he's looked pretty good. He's close to the majors. He's like a fairly high impact position player. You know, Jake Berger's moved himself up there. So, I mean, look, your top four prospects coming into the year have all graduated out of prospect status, and they're all in the big leagues. So, you know, Jared Kelly had a, a mild arm issue. I think he's he's back pitching this week in Kannapolis, so it's tough to rank him. as You know, he was their top prospect, but he just, like, hasn't really pitched. And then some of the guys you've mentioned, Matthew Thompson, Andrew Dahlquist, they have a young Cuban pitcher, Norhe Vera, you got Jonathan Stever. So, yeah, I mean, they – I think their first two picks this year will both be in the top 10 of their system. Very good. All right. I'm looking forward to this. Will you come back on and break down who they actually do get? Because that, that also becomes very interesting to me because I would love to hear the take on, did they have a good draft? Did they spend the money the right way? Did it make sense to you? Or was there some kind of an anomaly? So can we get a James Fox back here after the draft is over? Yeah, sure. We can, we can plan next Wednesday show right now. That's fine. Um, so for those that don't know, Sunday night, they're, you know, I think ESPN and the MLB network are both showing the first round of the draft Sunday night. Um, it's the first round of the comp round. 
And then Monday afternoon for you, uh, like Chicagoland listeners, it's noon, I believe, is rounds two through ten on Monday. It's not. I think they're showing the second round on TV, but the rest is just like on MLB.com. And then 11 a.m. on Tuesday is 11 through 20. They've never done it this way before. It's never been this late before. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna see how it goes. Right. James Fox will have his popcorn out. This is much watched television for him. And you don't have to watch it because he'll talk about it next week with us. James, thanks so much for jumping on. Check out all these prospects at Future Sox. It's a great site for figuring out what's going on in the White Sox minor league system, what's going on with the draft. I mean, you guys are all over it. You you communicate with the, the guys that are down there in the system. You get an awful lot of good information. Check out Future Sox and James Fox. Thanks a lot, my friend. All right. Thanks for having me. Talk to you next week. That was all real good stuff. Went a little bit longer than I thought I was going to go with it. And unfortunately, Ed's headlines are being bumped here. He's still sitting over here at the end of the nine-foot homemade oak bar, trying to figure out headlines in advance because there could be all kinds of things happening over the next couple of days before you hear another Sox in the Basement episode. Grandal's out four to six weeks. Maybe they go get a catcher. Somebody's getting cleared off the roster for Adam Engel. I got one question for you, buddy. Do you think Andrew Vaughn can catch? Uh, you know what? He We said he couldn't be an outfielder, and look at him now, so... Yes, yes, I think Andrew Vaughn could be a viable all-star major league starting catcher. Um, <laughs> Why not? Why not? Yeah, I mean, you know, I I would rather they did that instead of what they did, which was somehow drag David Ross out of retirement. He, you know, quits being the Cubs manager to come back and catch for the White Sox now. I that I I didn't see that coming at all. That was a weird headline. I'm glad we got that one in, man. That might actually that might actually happen. Yeah, that, that one, I think, is the most realistic of all of them. Somehow they were able to acquire Yadier Molina because he just wants to play for Tony. <laughs> you know, you laugh at that one, but the Cardinals are sinking fast, and I, the Cardinals could do the, hey, Yadier, we're going to give you one last shot at a championship. Go be with go be with your pal. Go be with Tony. Because they actually have they have catchers behind Yadier that I think if, if they're going to go young the rest of the season, I would not be shocked to see them make a run at Yadier Molina. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found. And always on SocksInTheBasement.com.